All right. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm Nate and, um, and I'm here with my buddy, Al, and we're going to be talking about, uh, reef aquariums. And so this is our new podcast, the reef after dark. Al, you want to jump in? Oh, of course. Um, so we are two, uh, I guess I would consider us novice coral keepers and Watch reef it. tank. <laughs> uh, Nate's been in the hobby a lot longer than I am. Um, I have only been in the hobby since November of 2020, so a little under a year, and I'll let Nate talk about his experience. All right, yeah, so um I've been in I've been in the hobby probably since middle school, so about 2007. Um and I've kind of just waited in and out in that time, so um I I had a 55 gallon reef when I started. Um, and I had that up for a number of years and then 2014, when I took off to school, I had to take it down and, um, done some traveling since then. So I've had to set up small reef tanks, um, here and there. And so I'm finally at a point where, um, I can actually set up a proper reef that is above, <laughs> that is above a gallon of water. So, um, so it's one of the reasons why I wanted to hop on Al, what else you got? All right. So currently i have a innovative marine nuvo 20 uh mixed reef i've got a bangai cardinal fish two skunk clowns a sand sifter goby and a pretty good mix of softies and sps um nate what do you have all right so um i was lucky enough to have a 16 gallon biocube drop in my lap uh, about two years ago and it's been it had been sitting in the garage for a while um, and only in the past two weeks have I actually been able to get that up and running. And so, uh, me and Al had gone on a couple of adventures to the local fish shop and, um, we went and loaded that up with mostly softies. And, um, because I, me and dosing aren't quite friends yet, I did grab one S, um, you know, I'm not even sure if it falls under SPS or LPS, but I bought a Duncan to go in there. And uh, my logic is that, it, you know, if I only have one that's sucking calcium, that we can, uh, you know, that water changes should handle um, those trace elements. But I won't get too into the weeds. Um, but yeah, so basically just I, I'm shooting for something that's easy to maintain, um, something small. And I guess that's one of the other things that Al and I kind of want to reiterate is one of the targets in this blog um, podcast, whatever you want to call it, um, is that we kind of want to focus on nano aquariums. Um, so that's really what, what would you say, Al? Anything 30 gallons and less? Yeah, I, I think that's where you start getting into the nano range. Um, but yeah, we just noticed there's not a lot of information out there targeted specifically to a nano reef keeper. Not everybody has the space or the time to keep a 120 gallon tank. I'm sure it's everybody's dream, but we're uh, working with the tank sizes we have, and we'd like to uh, share the information, the struggles, the wins that we have to hopefully help people that'll end up in the same situation that we're in. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like this is a pretty good opportunity for us to kind of, <laughs> well, A, go over our plans of attack um, with our you know specific reefs and just uh, kind of just chill out and talk about it. Yeah, and we can also also opens us up to get suggestions from other people who are in the same boat. Because I I wouldn't call us experts, but we're good at finding information. No, we're good at making it far work. far from. Yeah. Um. 
yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I think, well, Al, you and I have been up to a lot of shenanigans in the last two weeks. Um, so I guess we should just start from the beginning. I really only started my cycle about two weeks ago. And so um, Alan and I spent, well, not this past weekend, but the one before, um, we went on a coral quest to the local fish shop, and um, we we went pretty hard as far as uh, buying buying up some frags. Um, and Al, what, Al, what do you got on that? What are your well, thoughts? I guess since we haven't mentioned it already, uh, we are both running out of upstate New York. Um, our local fish shop is the Benson's Fish Room, and um, yeah, we both went on a little bit of an adventure. I had already had some corals in my tank, uh, all softies, some fireworks cloves that were doing great, a Yuma mushroom that I've had since November, and uh, I decided to uh, make the jump into SPS this week. I got a couple Montes, some Acropora, uh, some Leptoceras. And I am going to be messing around with dosing and talking about that here. Yeah, um, I, I, I gotta say, Al, you're uh, you're braver than me diving diving in. Um, that, that I guess that's one of the other things I should mention is um, in my previous time, uh, you know, reefing, you know, back 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 in the day. Um, I was running a Fowler system, so that's just, you know, fish only with live rock. And, uh, you know, so I, I was just specifically keeping fish. We ended up growing a mountain of coralline, uh, coralline algae, uh, which looked pretty, but we, you know, uh, corals just seemed like this insurmountable task at the time. And so we just uh, didn't do it, didn't play with it. And uh, so, so, yeah, corals are kind of new to me and it kind of... Um, to to say to to stay in the safe end of the pool, I've just I've gone yeah specifically softies. So uh, um, Al Al's got some stones in my humble opinion. Uh, jumping jumping to SPS, but I'm sure he'll do fine. Yeah, and I mean I didn't have the same experience you had growing up. I didn't have any tanks at home. I grew up on a little goat farm, but uh, uh, we were Nate and I were both in marine bio. Uh, circa 2007 oh oh hey yeah i kind of remember all of that yeah yeah yep. marine biology club and then uh this past year nate got me into the whole reef game because up until that point i didn't know that you could keep corals in your own tank and as a kid i that was not something i even imagined i know people have been doing it for years but i i guess i showed up a little late but definitely here to definitely here for it yeah, no, um, and yeah, I think, yeah, I'm just trying to think of how that kind of started. I think I was just showing you, uh, my podunk, uh, rhodactus that I was keeping out of a mini complete tank, which is like 1.4 liters. So it's like a soda cans worth of water. And yeah, so I went that, out with a five gallon and just kept upgrading from there. Yeah. We've, uh, uh, oh man, what, what the heck's the card game? You know, where you're just one up the other guy. Was it war? <laughs> yep. I feel like we've been doing that with tank sizes for the past six months. Yeah, but we're both at a point where we're we're set on what tanks we have. We know what our goals are, and uh, we'll, we'll be documenting them. And and, and uh, what our significant others will uh, permit. <laughs> yeah. They've definitely had a lot of fun with this. 
with Nate and I incessantly talking about corals. Yeah, yeah, they're they're ready to throw their heads through sheetrock, but that that that's why we're doing this here and not there. <laughs> gonna gonna give them a break. <laughs> yeah, that's um, why this is reef after dark and not reef during the day. Big fact. Um, but um, yeah. So no, we we went on. Um, yeah, we had, we had we had coral quest. You know, we went and um, loaded our par tanks with some stuff from uh, from Benson's fish room. So that that was that was an awesome experience. And um, and then then of course this week I ran into some issues um, with my with the lighting on my BioCube um, because one of the softies I had picked up, the Cinellaria, you know, uh, leather coral as they call it. Um, he, he's cool. He's big. He's bright green. And I was super stoked when I saw him in the store. Um, but I brought him home and just threw him under my BioCube lights, the stock LED hood. So not, not the one with, with the mini T5s in it, but, um, uh, but yeah, I threw him under the stock LED hood and, um, I'd say he hung out for all of what, one or two days. And then he began looking super sickly. Um, and I think at that point, uh, <laughs> that point I called out and I was like, um, uh, what do we do? He's not looking good. I was, uh, see, cause Al's got some, uh, got some better lighting than I do. So my, my first instinct was, oh crap, we gotta, we gotta run him to Al's, you know, the little ambulance noises are going off in my head. What, <laughs> what am I going to do with this thing? Um, but Al kind of, uh, kindly reminded me that he had, he had loaned me a light some time ago that had been sitting under my desk <laughs> and, um, and, uh, yeah, we kind of turned that into a little bit of an operation. Al, what have you got on that? Do you, <laughs> what oh, did yeah. you think of how that went? Oh, <laughs> um, it was a fun time. <laughs> I think you were definitely a little bit more stressed than I was, but, um, in case anybody else runs into this situation, the Lomni, um, I believe it is the Pixie 30 Saltwater, uh, runs about 70 on Amazon, is more than good enough to grow corals. It's not as customizable as an AI Prime or your other, like your, uh, yeah, castles or whatever it is, your, your Radions, but it'll definitely get the job done, especially if you're under a budget. And then I guess we should add that we will be posting pictures of our tanks on our Facebook page once that's created. We just have been kind of slacking on the podcast a little bit, so yeah, we'll, the we'll first that. night that we've been able to first night we've been able to really throw it together. Yeah. Um, um but but yeah, so Al kind of swooped in and was like, "Hey, ding dong, I gave you this light," and so we. Uh, we uh, put that mounting arm together and we actually figured out how to pull the hood off the bio cube, which um, I'm ashamed to admit was way simpler than it seemed. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we popped the lid off and uh, we switched it out with this Pixie 30. Um, now, I'm not knocking Coralife's bio cube. Um, their LEDs were definitely good enough for the mushrooms and things I had in there at the time, um, which again, wasn't a whole lot, but my, my mushrooms had no complaints. Um, my green star polyps, no complaints, all open, all flowing nicely. Um, but things like the Duncan that I had purchased and this Cinellaria, this leather, um, 
yeah, they, they were not digging the stock BioCube light spectrum. And uh, this was, you know, if, if anyone has a BioCube, there are three uh, light options that you can kind of time throughout the day. And um, yeah, I had all three on blast from about 9 a.m. And then I at, at about nine o'clock, I had everything ramped down, um, you know, and it was on that schedule for a while and it did not adapt, did not like it. Uh, once we put the Pixie 30 on it, um, within about two to three days, uh, the leather went from bleaching to fully open, fully extended, and you know, thankfully on the mend. So, uh, so Al, I gotta, I gotta thank you for that one, buddy. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> so here I'm, I'm in a little bit of a different boat. I'm currently running an AI Prime. Um, I had been running the Worldwide Corals profile. I recently switched to the BRS AB+. Um, I actually kind of like the Worldwide Corals profile better, um, but I realized that they were running two AI Primes over a 20-gallon, or sorry, 24-gallon. So I've actually I've got a second AI coming in, so I can match that a little bit better. Yeah, I... Um... Uh, I, and I kind of saw when I was over, uh, over staring at your, uh, your setup the other day that you, you got into the acro game. You want to, you want to <laughs> mention some of your feelings on that? Oh yeah. Uh, so, so far, nothing too crazy. Um, I was lucky enough to find a frog skin acro, I believe is what the LFS called it. And I think that ran me about $40, which wasn't bad. Uh, I got another little tiny frag for 30 Not sure of the variety. Um, I do know that it will have some green and pink. And then I found a, a pink lemonade acro that I got a hell of a deal on. And I actually learned something new from the LFS this week, is that if you're looking at a acro under the blue lights, uh, grab an orange lens, orange glasses, and you can actually see on what looks like maybe just a green or a brown acro, you can actually see what colors you can bring out of it under the proper conditions. Uh, the $30 frag I got, it just looks green, but you hold it under that orange lens and you can see the pink tips and what it's going to turn into eventually. Yeah, I'll be, I'll definitely be excited to, uh, to see how that goes because, um, I remember reading about Acropora corals, um, you know, when I was in, when I was in middle school, so back in 07. And, uh, I just told Alan about this book tonight. Um, you know, when I started, I read, uh, Mike, Michael S. Paletta's, uh, the new Marine aquarium. And there was a little bit in there about Acropora corals. And at the time they had this reputation of being, uh, the hardest thing to keep. Um, so, so I guess me still being in that mindset, I'm, I'm just, I'm, Super impressed. I'll, I'll I'll wait with bated breath to to see how this goes. I'm, again, I'm sure you're going to do fine, but I'm just yeah. I don't know. The future's weird. I'm just impressed. Yeah, uh, up until this point, I hadn't been dosing, um, so that's definitely going to be a project. Is learning to dose. Um, I just started this this week with uh, Brightwell Calcium, um, and then I have on order. Some of the Brightwell two part. I think it's uh, Reef Code A and Reef Code B. So I'll be testing 
monitoring and sharing my findings here. Yeah, that'll um, that'll definitely be interesting. Um, I mean, I don't really, as far as Acropora itself, I haven't really covered the uh, history of the history of its care that well, but uh, it's just kind of um, interesting. I'm not sure what made them that much more appealing to Aquarists. I I I gotta wonder if it's just the lighting situation. Just because, you know, back in 2007, everyone had, you know, the T5 bulbs that, you know, went into the hoods of their tanks. And, you know, at least in my case, um, I was changing them out mm, somewhere between every three and six months, which was super annoying. And then, you know, by the time I was just stepping out of the game to go to college, um, LEDs, LEDs had kind of just arrived. And so now we, now we have all these fancy, you know, the AI prime, the, uh, you know, the castle, a 160, we have these wild lights that we didn't have before. And then if you talk to people that started before I did, you know, the, the story is always that they, you know, the big metal halides where you needed a chiller for your tank. So it's kind of cool that a lot of this has only gotten easier. Yeah, I do have to say it's pretty cool. I've, Never had to deal with the T5s, the metal halides. I've only ever used the Womni. Um, that little, the little coral view, um, just the nano, really low par white that you and I both have, and then the Womni. Oh yeah, I um, oh oh, you mean the coral life, the the clip it, the clip on thing, yes, that's just push is. button. Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, um, when I, 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 I tried a little, um, foray back into corals. Oh God. I want to say around last, last Christmas, maybe before. Yeah. No, it was a Christmas before last. And yeah, that was my first run in with these lights and, um, and guilty, guilty is charged here, but I, I ended up, ended up, uh, doing in a colony of colony of gsp and uh some really plain looking clove polyps so um yeah i don't know i don't know if you needed more than one or if my parameters were just off i i did not have a good time with those lights yeah i think they're just really low par because at one point i had yours and mine running over the tank well it, it was weird that wasn't a total failure because i had so the cloves that I thought I killed and the GSP frag next to it that I totally killed, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll blame a sexy shrimp for that because he kind of hopped on the plug and just kept eating it. And um, I was really trying to go small. It was 1.3 gallons of water and I really could not police that thing to keep him from eating the, the GSP. But after the GSP had been eaten away um, and, the, and the original clove polyp had disappeared, um, the polyp reappeared on the GSP plug. So yeah, it was this weird, um, reproductive event where, yeah, I just, I had this frag of X GSP, which is now clove. And, um, I ended up, I had to move to Tulsa midway through the pandemic, um, for work. 
And uh, I took some cyanoacrylate super glue, some seawater, and uh, some tweezers, and I literally glued the frag plug to the bottom of an empty Gatorade bottle. And I moved this <laughs> one tiny ass coral uh, something like 1,400 miles. And uh, he made the trip, which was cool. Um, but when my mini tank crashed um, the following Christmas, yeah, no, that was goofy. I don't want to talk about that. It wasn't good. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no. So th those lights, though, not not a huge fan. Um, yeah. So now, Al, I'm just trying to think here. Um, we want to go over our uh, our recent run in with uh, Palithoa. Yeah, I, I guess that would be another reason for this podcast, or at least concreting our decision to uh, to finally start it. Um, I I guess when you first start, uh, Zoas, Pallies, uh, Zoanthids, they're all considered starter corals, but a, a lot of people don't talk about the dangers associated with them. And I'm sure at some point we'll do a full episode, but... Uh, Run-ins with these toxins have left people with permanent damage, blindness, uh, health issues, breathing issues. And we've done our best to avoid these in both of our tanks, uh, but recently I purchased a rock full of discosoma. And uh, the other day while talking to Nate, I found a pally on it, and we had quite the adventure getting it off. Yeah, so uh, we didn't really want to touch touch that, obviously, and I, I'm sure that if some more experienced folks decide to listen to this, they're going to say, okay, well, why are these guys freaking out? They're just, you know, uh, zoanthids and, you know, palitho. What's the big deal? Um, because, yeah, a lot of people do keep them. Um, they look pretty. Um, and as a lot of people have said, they can pretty much live in a toilet. You can put them anywhere and they'll, they'll thrive. You don't need a whole lot of light on them. Um, but you know, I've just, I've heard enough horror stories about palytoxins, um, aerosolizing, um, you know, people getting knocked out, you know, in their own homes. Uh, and, and, and Alan and I have, um, you know, in Alan's case, you know, um, you know, Alan, you know, you've got, you got a little, you got a little fella and, you know, another on the way. And I've got my significant other to think about. And th th those were just risks that we didn't feel comfortable taking um, as we, as we hopped into this. And so <laughs> that, that kind of influenced a few of our decisions. Uh, we, we stopped, um, we stopped or didn't even really begin to use live rock in the first place. Uh, so we went with dry rock, dry cycle, um, uh, just to avoid the potential for hitchhikers um, that that could carry that could carry palytoxins. And so, um, yeah, we found that one in Alan's tank, and uh, we just we had to get some tools. But uh, but uh, once we got going with those tools, he kind of he kind of got cut, blended into oblivion, and sent all over with your power heads al that wasn't that didn't go the way we hoped uh yeah until that happened it uh really stupid on my part it hadn't occurred to me that it would be a good idea to turn off the power head and 
yeah, we left the foot, so we're going to have to go back anyway. Um, we ended up just snipping at the base of the stem, but uh, from my conversation with the LFS today, it looks like I'll be going at it again later with an X-Acto knife to scrape it off because it'll grow back from the foot. Yeah, so I, I, I guess, um, yeah, with your with your rock work there, I guess just be on ZOA patrol. Um, you know, every time you check in there. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a weird thing. Um, I haven't done too much homework on zoanthids um, and palithella, but from what I understand, um, at least in the Hawaiian Islands, you know, uh, French Polynesia, um, those those ancient peoples that uh, inhabited those islands, um, from what I understand, did actually use those corals in warfare. Um, and so they would actually, you know, dip their weaponry, their spears um, in, in, into these uh, shallow reefs that had, you know, palithoa because, I mean, they, 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 they can, they could show up in tide pools and so on. And uh, yeah, they'd, they'd go, they'd get their weapons good and full of this palitoxin. And then, um, you, you know, that's a, that's a wildly effective weapon because now you're, in, you know, taking on your opponent with uh, a really powerful neurotoxin. Um, thankfully, uh, Alan and I have never actually had to deal with um, touching it because, you know, we've heard enough of these horror stories, but we felt like not enough people had. Um, you know, I, I, I heard one, one instance where, you know, you so much as brush brush a, a pally with your hand and it's like, what, a day or two in bed. Um you know, that's without having a cut on your hand or a wound of any kind. Um, yeah, yeah, scary stuff in my humble opinion. Yeah, not the greatest time, especially with all the stories of the uh, the aerosol issues with the palitoxin. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of our reasons for wanting to start this podcast is we'll just talk about improvements to our own tanks. I think at some point we may be messing around with Reef Pie, um, given the, the cost of some of the controllers out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that should be um, interesting because, uh, you know, you, you and I, uh, we're, we're busy guys, and so automating, uh, automating some of our systems would be nice without, uh, you know, having to uh, get rid of one of our kidneys. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I think I think it'll be interesting. Um, I guess one of the other things that we kind of want to do down the road is get a little bit more familiar um, taxonomically with um, modern corals. Um, you know, Al and I have also kind of been just talking about that, um, figuring out. Um, I don't know if there's a class online somewhere or. Uh, really solid resource. I mean, I'm sure there's textbooks um, that exist. Um, you know, I have dabbled a little bit, um, not so much with the modern stuff, but um, with a lot of extinct taxa. So uh, my, my background is uh, heavily in uh, paleontology. And so uh, when you, when you go to study geology at school, they will, um, they'll make you study corals, just nothing that's, um, nothing that's living, nothing that's extant. 
um, because in the ancient past they were very useful um, as index fossils uh, for things like finding oil. And so uh, they'll drill a bunch of different corals into your heads, or at least the at least major groupings, uh, to give you an idea of where you are in a rock unit. And it's not just corals they do this with. They do this with cephalopods um, and a lot of other uh, marine taxa that are pretty numerous. But, uh, but yeah, that, that kind of uh, leaves my knowledge of the extant stuff very to be very, very limited. Um, I did have the good fortune of uh, doing some research on a coral from the Devonian, so about 380 million years ago. And uh, it, it was called uh, Pleuridictium americanum. And uh, when we worked on this particular tabulate coral, um, our goal was to actually find evidence of symbiosis in this animal. And we were successful in doing that um, in, you know, cutting up these uh, ancient coral colonies and looking for worm burrows throughout the skeleton. And so uh, we, we did see that. And uh, I believe you can see that in a few of the modern taxa now. Um, I think... I think in Montipora you can see that happen. Al, have you you've seen that, right? I've actually seen it in an acan. Oh, okay, Canthophilia. Hmm. Yeah, no. Um. So, so that that's always something I kind of uh, keep my eye on. Um. I'd, I'd I'd like to go a little deeper with that eventually, but um. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how long uh, these animals have been doing what they've been doing, um, even with how simple they are. Um, it's also worth noting, and it was com- kind of completely an unintentional um, uh, result of uh, my study, was that we kind of found that these this one particular coral was um, forming its colonies on one type of snail shell. <clears throat> so... Not that I can prove it, but it was always a fun thought to think of, uh, you know, this little snail just, you know, uh, trudging around with a coral colony on its back. But uh, I got no way to prove that that's actually what happened, but uh, it's it's a possibility. It's a fun thought. Kind of similar to the, uh, actually, there's a couple creatures. There's a pom-pom crab, I believe. It's got two little anemones. Yeah. And then there's actually a hermit crab. I believe its shell is a nem. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll have to look that up and I'll verify it in the next episode, but I believe that that's what it was. It wears a nem, almost like a sock as protection. Oh, oh yeah, he puts it on his hands like little gloves and he just, yeah, punches people with nematocyst stings. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. I think that's enough for the first episode. We just wanted to give everybody just an intro to who we are, why we're doing this, and what to expect. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I like I like how it goes, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be making more of these, and um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, uh, we're gonna start building up our social media pages, all that. So keep your eye out for Reef After Dark.